Sometimes, after a particularly eventful day, we reckon that nothing much else can possibly happen in the evening. Resurrection Sunday was like that. So much had happened since dawn, but much more was to happen before the day ended. Our passage from John 20, 19 to 29, describes what happened on the evening of Resurrection Sunday, the first day of the week, through to the following Sunday. Jesus had been crucified, buried in a tomb, and the disciples had been scattered. But by evening that resurrection day, Mary and Peter and the two walking to Emmaus have seen the risen Jesus. But so far, all that John had seen was an open tomb and grave clothes, not Jesus himself. Yet we have been told earlier that when John saw inside the open tomb, he saw with understanding and believed Jesus had risen. And now before the sun sets on that resurrection day, they have gathered together in a house. It's rather apt that the disciples were sitting in a house like many of you today. It was perhaps the upper room where the Last Supper was celebrated. But the doors are locked through fear of arrest, and the risen Jesus visits them in fulfillment of his promise before he was crucified. You will have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your hearts shall rejoice. God knows that fear is common to all of us, and for that reason we are frequently reminded, fear not, do not be afraid, I am with you. And Jesus comes to where they are to quell their fears. Locked doors and walls are no barrier to the risen Jesus. The one who came out of the grave before the stone was rolled away now comes into the room before the door is opened. John is there, and for the first time he sees the risen Jesus and writes what happened. Jesus came and stood among them where everyone could see him. He comes near when our faith falters, when questions arise, and he restores the joy of his salvation to us. As Jesus spoke his word of greeting, peace be with you, it came to them like the word Mary came to the ears of Mary in the garden. It was his voice its familiar tone to their ears, the assurance that this is the same Jesus beside them. Peace be with you. How calming, how reassuring to them. That word of peace be with you complemented the words on the cross, it is finished. For that peace of reconciliation with God was accomplished at the cross And Jesus' wounds in his hand and his side are the signature of the eternal declaration of peace. The risen Lord is the Christ of the cross. He shows them the proof, his hands and his side. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Spurgeon called it the perpetual sign of the finished work in heaven. And as one poet wrote, 
and not a God has wounds, but thou alone. This is the reality of the cross, the cost of the cross. Jesus says, I was on the cross. My blood was poured out and it covered all your sins. I reconciled you to God. I gave you peace with God. It's beyond understanding, but it's true. It's real. It's yours and mine. Peace. Jesus says, look at my hands and my side. I made peace with these. I satisfied justice with these. I provide forgiveness with these. I assure eternal life with these. And we can receive it or we can walk away from it. And so the disciples turn from questions in the morning to joy in the evening. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus had promised to turn their grief to joy, and he has. They saw the Lord. Not just saw as simply seeing, but it's that special word again that was used earlier of John. They saw with understanding and they believed. That time when the reality of Jesus as a saviour dawns on the soul. For these people, they believed in that room. For you as a child, a teenager, or in later years, after many times of hearing the gospel, God's grace led you to accept Jesus as your saviour and Lord. Sometime, somewhere in God's plan, it happens. As Jim told us last week of his experience in a car, and Sergei has told us of so many coming to faith as he shared the gospel while traveling on trains and buses. Anywhere, it's absolutely amazing grace. Then for a second time, Jesus said, peace be with you. The first time was to dispel their fear. The second time, to steady their joy and excitement, for he has more to say. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Here is the initial instruction that they go into all the world and preach the gospel. There is a mission ahead, a gospel to be proclaimed in clear terms and souls saved for eternity, and the power will be the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit. A symbolic promise of the Holy Spirit, whom he would send from heaven at Pentecost to indwell and empower all believers to share the good news. And Jesus is saying here, realize that this is what will happen and you will preach with the authority of God's word in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is God who forgives sins. And here is a solemn warning. If someone repents, believes, and accepts Christ, you can say on the authority of God's word, you are forgiven. Forgiveness of sins can be certain. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. But if someone rejects the gospel and Jesus, on the divine authority of the word of God, you can say that that person 
will die in their sins. Individuals can accept or reject the gospel. And in witnessing to them, you can be plain. You believe you are forgiven. Or you don't believe you are not forgiven. The disciples waited with expectation for Pentecost. And then in power, they preached repentance and forgiveness in Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In verse 24, we read that Thomas was not there that evening. And we may ask why. Some characterize Thomas as doubting Thomas. But I suggest that his love for Jesus was so real that his heart was torn and Thomas perhaps just wanted to be alone. His grief was a proof of his love. You see, Thomas's love for Jesus was really strong. It was expressed on one occasion when he said, let us also go and die with Jesus. In other words, I would rather die than be here without Jesus. And on another occasion, Lord, we don't know the way. In other words, I want to be where Jesus is. And so when they reach out to Thomas and tell him, we have seen the Lord, his reply is, look, I need proof myself that it is Jesus. I cannot love anyone else. I cannot be deceived. And unless I see the marks of the nails in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas wasn't there that resurrection evening, and he had missed something wonderful. An illustration that came to my mind was a certain nobleman several years ago wanted to leave a legacy to the people of his mountain village, and he built a church. When finished, everyone gathered to see it. It was admired until someone noticed there was no lighting. How will it be lit? The nobleman pointed to brackets on the wall. And then he gave each family a lamp to bring with them to church each time they came to worship. And he said, each time you come, the place where you sit will be lit. Each time you are not here, it will be dark. This is to remind you that each time you don't come to church, some part of God's church will be dark. So let's all be ready to come back to church when the restrictions are lifted. Let's be there. Verse 26 tells us that a week later, on the next Sunday, they are inside again. The doors are locked, but Thomas is with them. And Jesus came and stood in their midst and again said, peace be to you. And in that room, at that moment, divine grace overflowed. And looking around, Jesus graciously said to Thomas, come here, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Be not unbelieving, 
but believing. You can almost hear Jesus whispering in Thomas's heart, Thomas, it is me. I have redeemed you. You are mine. When Jesus repeats Thomas's own words back to him, it shows that Jesus hears us all the time. As the psalmist said, you know my thoughts from afar. Before the word was on my tongue, you knew it completely. Yes, only God could be omniscient and already know what Thomas had requested. Wherever we are, Jesus is that unseen companion watching and listening, who strengthens our faith and, as here, offers no rebuke, just sympathy and love for Thomas. Thomas, put your hand in my side. The wound in Jesus' side from the soldier's spear was large. And John had seen the sudden flow of blood and water. The cost of our redemption, bought with his precious blood and saved forever, reaches Thomas and you and me. Jesus died to save me, and that is all I need. Nothing more, I trust in him. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I'm an heir of salvation, a purchase of God. I'm born of his spirit, and I'm washed in the blood. As Thomas is faced with the evidence, Jesus gently says, Be not unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas makes this amazing confession, My Lord and my God. From unbelief to belief. A wonderful revelation of who Jesus is and the honor that is due to Jesus. My Lord and my God. I serve you as my Lord and worship you as my God. It is a personal confession of faith. Thomas's eyes would have sparkled and then filled with tears of joy. Mine, 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 Savior, dear Savior, I know you are mine. Thomas had heard the witnesses speak, but he wanted to see Jesus for himself. Maybe you have heard many sermons, but never believed. Well, look at this again and believe. Jesus can personally come to you today as he did to Thomas that day and say, be not unbelieving, but believing. Listen again. Be not unbelieving, but believing. Whisper in your heart now, Lord Jesus, save me. Some had said, is not this the carpenter's son? God had said, this is my beloved son. Samaritans had said, this is indeed the savior of the world. Peter had said, you are the son of the living God. But Thomas wrapped it all up in this moment. My Lord and my God. More than that, he made it personal. My. Thomas exclaimed, he is mine. And he embraces Jesus with all that he has and delivers the most conclusive testimony to the absolute deity of the Savior ever to come from the lips of man. Also, Thomas's words, my Lord and my God, 
echo the first chapter of John. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Every day nearer the cross, until he who became flesh died and rose again, and is now about to return to his Father in heaven, to his own rich soil transplanted as penned by a hymn writer. And consider the wonder of all this with Paul as he wrote, Oh, the depth of the riches of God's wisdom and knowledge, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. This is the wonder of our salvation, that the unbelieving may believe and that the lost may be saved. And from Wesley, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Jesus acknowledges Thomas's faith. You have seen and have believed. And that testimony has been heard down through the years, leading many to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. And around 52 AD, Thomas traveled as far as India with the gospel, even to the area of Kerala, where some of our brothers and sisters here with us today came from. Looking ahead to times of no longer tangible evidence, Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Truly blessed. As Peter writes, Although you have not seen him, you love him, and you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, the salvation of your souls. And in 2021, there will be those who have not seen, but have believed. Ryan and Claire McKernan, who many of you know, their boy Malachi has trusted the Lord in recent weeks and we rejoice together. As Sergei traveled on a bus the other week, he shared the gospel with another man, Maxim, who accepted Jesus before they reached their destination. On Friday, I had a call from Felix in Ghana, whose daughter was in hospital following an accident And as he waited outside, he shared the gospel with another couple, and they both believed and trusted Jesus as Savior. Let us rejoice in the joy of God's salvation. John writes of the witnesses who saw Jesus risen, and these provide gospel integrity. For the resurrection is the proclamation of the victory at the cross, and it is critical to Christian faith and the guarantee that as Christ is risen, so also we shall be raised at that imminent moment when we meet him in the air. Never underestimate Thomas, for he is a strategic witness, confirming in his confession that God became flesh and one who could say to early believers, I saw Jesus risen. And as we read these verses, we share in Thomas's faith. Maybe you are wondering about these things. Well, may Jesus inspire you with fresh, renewed faith as he gave to Thomas. Or for the first time, you come to Jesus and have faith in him, just as I am, without one plea. O Lamb of God, I come. We have seen the joy of the disciples in that room. But one day a door opened into heaven, And what did John see there? The same Jesus, the same wounds, 
a lamb standing as slain, and what happens in heaven. Just exactly what happened here. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord, and there is rejoicing in heaven too. Be sure you will be there. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for such a wonderful Savior. May we all know him in our hearts. The one who gives us care and protection. And we trust that for those who are unwell, in your will you will restore their health. For those who are mourning, that you will give them comfort. And for those struggling in circumstances of life, that you will give them strength. And may the dying Saviour's love, the risen Saviour's power, the ascended Saviour's blessing, and the returning Saviour's glory be the joy and comfort of our hearts now and until Jesus returns. We ask it in his name. Amen.